Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 21 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Good morning everyone. Hi Ben, how are you? Yeah, yeah, you know, we're hanging in there, hanging in there. Um, right. We've got an exciting show for you all today. Uh, we're going to be um, discussing, well, we've got the latest that's going on in Ukraine, which is uh, rapidly um, turning into a, a, a disaster for the Russians. We're going to go more into that later. There's a lot of talk about whether Putin is going to be using chemical weapons. Um, uh, Biden is rallying NATO. He's heading to Poland as we speak. The Russian government is now on Rumble. Uh, they've joined their good friend Glenn Greenwald on on uh, on Rumble. So we'll be talking oh about my that. God. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Yes, yeah. we have um, the debacle of the Katanji Brown Jackson uh, confirmation hearing um, in the uh, Senate, which is just a horror show, absolutely disgraceful. We're going to be talking about that. Bob wrote an excellent piece on this. We have our both sides. Uh, today where we have some examples from well actually we've got the far left my examples from the far left uh, which I now consider to be far right as well so uh, we've got some hilarious both sides examples for you this week so anyway and then in our members section we're going to be talking about the time when the Daily Banter got sued uh, which was a hilarious story that's related to our both sides segment so stay tuned for that so Ukraine, um, you guys have been following, no doubt, this week. I just, w- yeah. what's your, because everybody I talk to comes away with a kind of a different assessment of what they think is happening in Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So yeah. I wanted to kind of ask you guys what where you thought the, where do you think it is now? Where do you think, where do you think it's going? Well, I'm really concerned, Ben, about a uh, an AP poll that I saw yesterday showing that 56% of Americans believe that Joe Biden isn't being tough enough on Russia. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, I know. It's a frustrating thing to see knowing that Joe Biden has walked right up to the line. I mean, he's gone right up to the line. Anything beyond that line is a shooting war with Russia. That right. and a shooting war between the United States and Russia is World War Three, and that doesn't necessarily mean there are going to be nuclear weapons used, but it doesn't prevent that. <laughs> it doesn't make that less of a possibility. It makes it a greater possibility that nukes will be used. So anything beyond that line, and I guess that's what fifty-six percent of the American people want. They want him to go past that line. And uh, right now, I mean, we're sending military aid. We just passed a a significant amount of military aid to be sent to Ukraine. Weapons, supplies, et cetera. Um, And it's all defensive in nature, of course. That's how it's being defined. But I I don't know where you go beyond that. Do, Do we send in troops? Do we start bombing Moscow like Donald Trump wants to do? Donald Trump wants to nuke Moscow is what he said uh, on television the other day to Stuart Varney. And so that's, uh, I I guess that's what people want. People want us to get into a shooting war with Russia. And if that's what you want, if you're one of those people and you want us to start firing things, missiles, rockets, nukes, bullets at Russians right now, you need to put your name to that opinion because, or, or at least enumerate what you think specifically ought to be done. Because what you're doing right now is pushing for the unthinkable. You're pushing for something that will eventually lead to nuclear war. It's immensely reckless right now. And I understand the anger and the frustration and the grief that we're all experiencing watching the atrocities happen in Ukraine. But Mm. the atrocities will be a gazillion times worse if we start into uh, if we go beyond where we are right now. 
You know, what, what, what do you mean by Joe Biden should be tougher? You want him to admit, uh, you want him to, to push to admit Ukraine to NATO? Well, that's war. Do you, do you want him to, uh, I don't know, send troops in? That's war. Do you want a no-fly zone? That's war. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand this point of view. And uh, all I can think of is that here in the United States, and this is going beyond, I think, uh, Ukraine and Russia here in the United States, we've entered into this new era of self-destructiveness, whether it's uh, not wanting to follow covid protocols. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about over the past two years where we've ended up with thousands of people dying every day and the rest of us going Eh, whatever. Uh, it's a weird thing to, to experience here in this country now. Uh, and now we're looking at what's happening in Ukraine and going, yeah, nuclear war, that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, and, what, and that's the what thing. Is going I, like, I, I want to hear these people say it's like, I'm OK with World War Three if it means stopping Russia. Like, right. I want to hear them say it. It's like you mm-hmm. say that out loud. Yes. And then yes, I'll know exactly. that you are not a serious person. Yeah, but thank you, you Justin. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Bob, that you say, you know, Biden's walking right up to the line. I mean, he's literally in Poland right now, right? Yes. Yeah, seriously, he's yeah, literally he's walking up to the line. the line. He's fifty miles away from the uh, from yeah. the border. Yeah, great point. <laughs> you know oh I mean? man, you're right. It, it's, yeah, it's like you know, NATO troops are being sent. All uh, all NATO um, allies, all the kind of co- the the NATO countries. Are, you know, near to Russia, are NATO sending troops and weapons? Uh, you know, they're being armed to the teeth. They're ready to like NATO is on on um, on standby, basically, right? Like this is what you do to deter Russian aggression. Is you, you know, and Biden's very clear. He said, "You touch NATO, you know, we're, it's on." But we're not going to yeah. get dragged into a war. We're not putting American boots on the ground in Ukraine. We're not going to have a no-fly zone. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I get that. So that there's there's a discussion um, about about chemical weapons, right? Where so I think we just took we discussed this a bit last week. But there's the real speculation now that Putin is 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 gearing up to for a chemical weapons attack on uh, on Ukraine because basically the military is is failed. Like there, there's there are lots of military strategists who I've been following on 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 Twitter uh, and um, international uh, relations experts and historians mm-hmm. um, who are now basically they kind of now saying that look the war is that Russia cannot win this they cannot achieve their their goals right there's no way they're going to be able to occupy Kiev right they their whole the idea of an occupation is unthinkable right they've lost. At, at a minimum, they've lost about fifteen thousand troops, right? And that that's dead, which uh, is so fucking insane. Insane. Yeah. It's it's insane, right? The Russians have stopped reporting on. They've literally stopped reporting on how many dead soldiers they have, right? They just don't mm-hmm. mention it. Um, so obviously, you know, fog of war. We don't really know what's going on, but it it may be even more than that, right? These poor Russian soldiers are being sent into a conflict that they're not prepared for. Yeah, and it's a meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, the meat yeah. grinder. They're, they're getting slaughtered. So Putin has got some, you know, he's got some very, um, and th- there was a, also a recent report out that the Ukrainians believe that the Russians only have about two or three days left of supplies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Jesus. so yeah, this is, this is bad. It's like real bad. Um, you know, the Ukrainians are attacking their supply lines. They're <laughs> defending their cities very well. Um, the Russians are just beset with with all sorts of logistical uh, uh, problems. They've made catastrophic errors in their judgment over over this, right? Uh, about what they thought the war was going to be like and how fast they could win it. Um, everything that they've like military analysts are just are shocked at how badly this has gone. Right? Nobody <laughs> expected them to to screw this up this badly. The uh, the blogger Rude Pundit said uh, the other day that why doesn't Vladimir Putin just because he's got such a robust propaganda machine inside Russia. Why doesn't he just say he's defeated the neo-Nazis in Ukraine, uh, pulling his troops out and all the rest of it, but declare just declare victory to his people. And because of this propaganda machine, they'll all believe him. I mean, 
why does he actually have to achieve anything on the ground in Ukraine when he can just say that he achieved something on the ground in Ukraine? I think that's a, a great observation. And boy, wouldn't it be great if, if Vladimir Putin was thinking that with that level of lucidity? I don't think he is, but uh, he should maybe, I think, for his own good and the good of his nation, because he's driving Russia into third world status. I mean, that's the, the only outcome from this that is guaranteed is that Russia will be economically decimated. It already is being decimated, but it's mm. going to get worse for him as time goes on. And so uh, <laughs> that, that, I think, is a perfect solution. Yeah, I mean, so look, like the, the, the idea whether Putin escalates, right, is like th this is a pretty serious one because, you know, whether... Putin, he might look for a way out, right? If he was smart, like you said, mm -hmm. like he, he would look for a way out of this. But given given um, Putin's history of like you know how the Russians behave when things are not going their their way, uh, suggests otherwise. Suggests that the guy's going to double down, mm -hmm. right? And, and what does that mean? So anyway, but look, there's an interesting Twitter thread that I um I uh, there's a guy I follow, Doctor Mike Martin. Who's an interesting guy? He's a, he's an expert on on um, on conflict, on on international relations and conflict, uh, and he writes for lots of think tanks, and he's been featured all over the place on BBC and NPR and the Wall Street Journal and the Economist. Um, so he's an interesting guy. But he wrote this tweet thread uh, that was published today. This is on Friday um, about whether Putin will use chemical or nuclear weapons in Ukraine, and this is what he says. So the, he says, the argument goes something like this. The Ukrainians are handing the Russians' asses to them on a plate. Uh, he's British, by the way. Uh, and Putin needs mm. to achieve victory or his personal position is in jeopardy. And so Putin might feel backed into a corner and use chemical or nukes to force an outcome. The media gets very excited about these things. Nothing like an impending nuclear war to sell copy. I don't buy that. Here's why. Firstly, nukes. I think it's fairly clear that if Putin were to use tactical nukes in Ukraine, then there would be a Western response, probably nuclear, and probably aimed at Moscow. The system of nuclear norms that we've built up over the last 70 years speaks to this analysis. And right, this analysis uh, hold on, Ben. I'm going to stop yeah. you right there. I seriously disagree with that. I read that. I, I cannot so imagine. Why, let me finish. The, let me finish okay, the okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Then we're going to pick it apart, right? Uh, in this analysis, it does not gain Putin anything to use nukes. He would face overwhelming retaliation, and he would not remain in power. The West would simply not leave Putin in power if he uses nukes. It would set up Russia as a nuclear, successful nuclear blackmailer. Putin, even with his warped worldview, and even with his misreading of the current geopolitical situation, is a good enough realist strategist to understand this clearly. So that's nukes. What about new chemical weapons? Well, this is where it gets more interesting. You see, chemical weapons use does not have the same clear, obvious response to them. And annoyingly, their use in Syria was not confronted. Biden talked yesterday about a response in kind. Previous to this, other, previous to this others have unhelpfully said there would be no military response. There was some ex-NATO de department secretary general on BBC yesterday wittering on about taking Putin to court if he used chemicals. No wonder we're in this mess. It's that the quality of leadership we've had. Chemical weapons use needs a robust response from NATO, and so Biden's comments yesterday were, were, were helpful. But would Putin use chemicals in Ukraine? It's not clear. But if forced to choose, I would say no. Here's my logic. Putin's aims in Ukraine are still maximalist. He seeks to take Kiev and overthrow the Russian government. His narrative to the Russian population is that the special military operation in Ukraine is saving the Ukrainian population from the Nazi government. Um, so then he says, so what does he gain by using chemicals? He could use it in Kiev to help move that front along. But then he has to occupy a city that is contaminated and Kiev is so important to Russian culture that I can't see that. What about breaking the siege of Mariupol using chems chemicals on the defenders? Maybe, more likely, but this doesn't really fit with the narrative of saving the Ukrainian population. Not sure this would wash with the Russian population when it becomes known, which it eventually would. And the chemical use does not help Putin with his strategic aim, which is overthrowing Ukrainian government and install own version. The problem with this is that there would be a NATO response in kind. Now, I don't think this means the use of Western chemical weapons. Um, uh, the, the US only has a small stockpile, but the US would not want to break the chemical prohibition norm. So I'm guessing the response will be cyber, massive cyber attacks, completely shutting down of Russian electricity and electrical system. But this is a guess. 
Uh, and then he says that but Putin knows there will be a Western response, which will make it even harder to scrape victory out of the Jordan defeat. And so I think he won't use chemicals either. So there's a lot of interesting things that, like, I don't necessarily agree with everything he's saying here. Um, but I think it's an interesting thread. It brings up a lot of, you know, um, pros and cons, right? Putin must be thinking, he must be thinking, like, do I use, what do I do? I'm losing. Do I use chemicals? Uh, do I use chemical weapons? Do I use nukes? Where do, where do we go from here? They've already threatened to use nukes, right? They haven't overtly uh, stated they will, but they've implied it. Um, and chemical weapons, there was that, you know, they're claiming that the Ukrainians have uh, biological weapons labs, which basically means we're going to go and use chemicals. Like, it's a false flag, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a Russian disinformation uh, tactic used to set up what what I think anybody with half a brain sees as an ob as them using chemical weapons. So, Justin, mm. wh wh what did you disagree with on, on right. this? So, the fact that he said there would be a Western response, probably nuclear and probably aimed at Moscow, I can't imagine any circumstances where a Western country would drop a nuke on Russia for another country that didn't have nukes. I could see a, a, a nuclear-powered country retaliating if they were nuked, but mm -hmm. nuking a th another country on behalf of a third country, I, I don't see it happening. I yeah. can't see it being politically tenable. I don't see it being militarily acceptable. I, I don't see it being done at all. Like even, even the public would be like, I'm sorry, did you just nuke an entire city of civilians when we weren't attacked personally? I know Americans are really, really upset about Ukraine, but I, I can't see them saying, oh, yeah, no, we, we nuked a city filled with civilians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got their center of government, but there are a whole bunch of civilians, too, and we weren't the ones attacked. I, I can't even comprehend even the most bloodthirsty in the United States saying, yeah, I'm okay with that. I just don't see it. And, and America is really bloodthirsty. So if we're not comfortable with that, I can't see any other country being comfortable with that. It's just not something that's going to happen. And of course, if we launch even a single nuke, there's nothing keeping Russia from launching 20 nukes in response. And then you get into World War III. That's the whole problem. You know, even if even if Putin said, ah, I'm only going to launch the one, it's still a nuke. So look, you know, I, would, I would have agreed with you had I not been looking at um, going quite in depth in, in, in how... The U.S. military plays out war games, like they how they do these war game simulations, right? Scared the shit out of me. I'm not, I'm going to be honest here. It frightened the living daylights out of me, right? Um, that once one side uses nukes, right? Even if it's just like even if it's you know they they use it on a limited basis, right? Putin decides to use nukes, and the idea is to um. Uh, scare the West, right? Because it's showing he's he's willing to use nukes. This triggers um, a whole series of escalations, right? That then um, makes... The escalation happens so quickly, right? The way that the war games are played out, that it, it, it's massively advantageous to have a first strike, right? So let's say Putin uses nukes. Putin uses nukes. NATO then gets involved. NATO gets involved. Um, we're in World War Three. We're in World War Three. Uh, Russia is is massively outgunned. Um, the military doesn't stand a chance against NATO. Like they'll be wiped out within a, a week, right? That then means Putin has to use nukes, right? Which then means that the West has to use nukes. So what happens then is is the, all the war. All, all the sort of um, the, the military sort of heads, the chiefs, then say, okay, well, we know where this goes, so we know that we have to use nukes now, right? So that they, they, they then use nukes immediately. It's a first strike. Whoever has first strike has a huge advantage. So this is why it does scare me, right? This is why it does it does worry me. Um, uh, that and and I think maybe this guy might be onto something, right? That Putin, he maybe he does understand this. Maybe he does know that that, that it, it is a good argument as to why Putin won't use nukes because he knows that if he does, 
like that's it it's a nuclear war right and that means basically like had i not understood how these war games work um i i would be i would agree with you justin but once someone uses nukes that's it like i do i think we're in uncharted territory and it can spiral out of control incredibly quickly and faster than we think is possible there's a school of thought that's oh i'm sorry sorry about that ben yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm done with my doomsday scenario. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there is a school of thought that says that uh, Putin may try to draw NATO into this anyway by using a tactical nuke and something, something along those lines. Um, and I know that NATO has kind of responded by saying, "Yeah, if Putin uses a tactical nuke on Ukraine, uh, that's we're going to bring in NATO. The NATO is going to act on that." And uh, so there is this line of uh, or hypothetical line of reasoning that says Putin actually wants to bring NATO into this because Putin would would actually rather lose to NATO in a war than lose to Ukraine. It's like, you know, you you choose your enemies and if you're, you know, you want to, you want to get beaten up by the bigger of the two enemies, right? Instead of the weaker of the two enemies. Less humiliating. Yeah, exactly. So there is that thought. And, and if that is actually Putin's thinking and who knows what the fuck he's thinking at this point, but if that's his thinking, uh, we need to be extra careful not to do anything that would trigger him to take that next move. So you got to be, this yeah. is all so incredibly delicate. I think I was saying this on last week's show it is the nature of this has to be handled with such precision and such care. And the, just the, even the slightest wrong move could uh, trigger a chain of events that could lead to somewhere horrifying, much more horrifying than what we're experiencing now. So, uh, yeah, in that respect, thank God Joe Biden's president. <laughs> thank God there are Jesus rational people Christ. in the United States government right now running things and not not the uh, clowns and weirdos from the previous group. So, yeah. Justin, any, any, what, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think that that, that does that logic? I don't know. Because the whole thing with the first strike is, uh, I mean, I, I would never war games. There, there really isn't such a thing as a first strike. It's like we launch, they know it's coming, and they launch too. Unless something's changed in the last 30 years, first strike doesn't really get you anything other than the satisfaction of, well, we hit theirs first and we'll be dead in about five minutes after they are. I'm not really sure how that works. You know, what, what difference does it make if they're ash before we are? I don't know how that helps us exactly. You know, like I said, I don't know what that that does. Yeah. So that, but so, so yes, I mean, I think there is, you know, don't, what what was that thing that Reagan was obsessed with star Wars? Um, Yeah. Or the Bush was obsessed with it as well. Not always Reagan, but it still doesn't work. Um, So yeah, that, you know, that that we do have some defensive capabilities when it comes to, um, when it comes to nukes. So, who knows? Maybe they have all their faith in that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, but the war game scenario is, I mean, look, th- th- there's a great self-defense, uh, you know, I've, I've been teaching martial arts for, for for years and years and years. And there's a great self-defense um, instructor who was, a he worked on the doors in Coventry in England, right? He's a, ba- he was a bouncer um, in the, in Coventry. He's like, I think it was like the most violent city in Europe. Um <laughs> for like for like it was i mean he was devastated but in world war Two, it was bombed bombed into nothing uh during world war Two, and then uh, rebuilt and it didn't rebuild in a particularly uh nice way and um, lots of government housing lots of um, very very poor uh very very like hot tough like tough culture so this guy worked on the doors in in coventry for 10 years and you know witnessed just horrific violence um and he basically his whole theory of self defense is based on the strike first principle. You distract and then you and then you annihilate. So you talk to you you know you put your hands up as if you're not interested in a fight and then you you know use all your all your power all your force to try and knock knock your opponent out before he realizes what's happening. Um, and this is basically kind of like you know this is the th- the art of war. This is like you know the theory of war, like Sun Tzu, you know, um, you strike when your enemy is not prepared. 
Um, and this will be very much embedded in, in in Western thinking, in NATO thinking, right? About how how you um, if this kicks off, how you then get uh, how you then take this to the Russians so far so they don't realize what's happening. So yeah, I mean, look, it's scary, but I like to. I hope that this guy's right. I hope that he he is right that um, uh, that the Putin does not want to use nukes. That he really doesn't. So that that would be you know that would be nice to know. Um, cool. And I think he's letting everybody, letting the world think that he does he he will use nukes when he actually doesn't want to or use chemical weapons. I think you know look it, it would be chemical weapons is is an escalation that's not you know it's not nukes but it would be a significant escalation. Uh, and I that would be yeah then we start to enter very dangerous territory um, should he use chemical weapons. So I'm hoping that that I genuinely. Like that's a huge fear. Um, Exciting so, times. Uh, yeah. So the Russians also uh, the, <laughs> the the Russians are now on Rumble. Apparently, uh, we we <laughs> this is um, <laughs> this is where they've been basically like they're using. There's an article uh, uh, that just came out recently talking about that. Now uh, the Russians are using this. Um, this it's a Canadian. There used to be like cat sharing video site on uh, <laughs> uh, from Canada that doesn't censor anybody or it has incredibly light censorship, uh, and now the that's where the Russian government is now um, uh, <laughs> disseminating their propaganda. Right, there's an article in Politico. This is Russian state media turns a rumble to get out the word. The far right video sharing outlet has become the last refuge of sorts for Sputnik podcasts. Right. So forced off of mainstream platforms, a number of radio shows associated with Russian state media have found a welcome home on Rumble, the video sharing platform favoured by conservatives and the far right. For the past few weeks, four shows on Sputnik, a news agency and radio broadcaster controlled by the Russian state media group Rossiya Segodnya, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, began broadcasting on Rumble. <laughs> which has become popular with the far right and Donald Trump's supporting crowd. Their adoption of the venue has come following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, after which platforms like Google and DirecTV booted Russian programming off their services. Um, so you know who else is on Rumble? Your good friend? Yeah, our pal. Our good friend, our good friend Glenn Greenwald. Uh, Glenn Greenwald is like Rumble spokesperson number one. Like he's their sort of their, their biggest kind of like propaganda um merchant he's out there like um talking about why it's so important to have platforms like rumble uh to dis- to 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 uh you know for freedom of speech and all that kind of stuff and eh, no it's not really freedom of speech freedom to pr- freedom of propaganda yeah seriously it's good just, lord it's just sad right like if if glenn greenwald had and i want to go into another glenn greenwald ramp because i'm prone to go into that but, um, <laughs> But like, if the guy had any self awareness whatsoever, he would understand that going on Rumble and going on Tucker Carlson is not doing his brand much good. Well, that but depends on what his it. brand is, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. But you know, that, that anyone taking him seriously, like, I think he really does want to be taken seriously. Like when we had that Twitter bust up, he was banging on about his Pulitzer Prize. Um, but- <laughs> Right, so 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 like, if he was truly concerned with with uh, how he was, perce- you know, how he was being perceived, he wouldn't be uh, doing a show on Rumble, right? Like a like a far right. Um, well, I mean, that, that's the thing with these guys; they're not ca- they're they're not new shows. They've never been new shows, and their their audience is aggrieved white guys. That's who they're catering to. That's their target audience. Mm. That's why they're so at home on Rumble. I mean, Glenn Greenwald is not talking to progressives. He's not talking to liberals. He's not talking to the left. He's talking to aggrieved white men who are still pretending that they're progressives, but they're aggrieved white men. The only thing they're missing is the red hat. And it's just a matter of time until they slap it on. That's all it is. He's, He's selling grievance politics to angry white guys. Yeah, you know, going back to that poll I was talking about earlier, uh, I think it said six percent of the American people believe that Joe Biden is being too tough on Russia. You want to know who that six percent is? 
You know, the Glenn Greenwald audience, I'm sure. Michael Tracy, Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, that entire crowd. (laughs) Stop being so tough on Russia, Joe Biden. Oh, my God. I'm going to go. I'm assuming. I don't know for a fact, but that's there's certainly an overlap. I I wouldn't bet against it. So well, that well, we're, we're, my both sides is going to be about that um, a, a little bit as well about this insane um, theory being um, spreading on the alt right, alt left circles about Biden being too tough on Russia. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I, I, but wait, at the same time, they'll tell you that no one was tougher on Russia than Trump. Yeah, exactly. They'll say both at the same time because double think, double think is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, yeah, 1984's yeah. double think is absolutely real among and, these people. Yeah, yeah. Heaven, heaven forbid you have a co- you know you have a coherent ideology. That would be uh, you. You got to think that some of these that like their lack of critical thinking and their lack of consistency. Someone's got to figure it out. Someone would be. I guess that's why you probably leave those kind of movements after, like you know, when you've grown up a bit and you realize that that none of this makes any sense whatsoever. Um, but, you know, you've got adults who are still, you know, I mean, Glenn Greenwald's a grown man, right? I mean, he's, right, he's a grown adult and he's spouting this nonsense that's clearly ideologically inconsistent, full of contradictions and just logically stupid. But yet, I guess, you know, well, there's an audience, right? Um, well, you know, he's just lying. Come on, let's right. be honest. Yes, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's lying because that's what he does for a living. That's what he does, right? So anyway, look. So let's let's we're going to move on to our our uh, our both sides segment. We've got some we've got some good ones for you uh, this week. Uh, Justin, can you give us? Uh, you have an audio clip for us. Um, yeah, I'm going to see if I can play this uh, or not. Um, actually, it's it, it's a full two minutes. I don't want to play the entire two minutes, but well, you um, can quote it. Yeah. So, all right. So this is Charlie Kirk, our good friend Charlie Kirk, who's <laughs> just yeah, he's just <laughs> he's just what such a idiot. douchebag. What's what's his thing again? Um, uh, what's his freaking group that he runs? American? Turning Point USA. There, so, there it goes. What also students for Trump? I think that's the other one. Yeah, he's such a douchebag. Yeah. But um, oh, yeah. so he he's been he's been ranting about uh Kintaji. Am I saying that pronounced? Am I pronouncing correctly? Kintaji Brown Jackson. Yeah. Um. Right. So he he was ranting about her, and and like Bob was saying in his article, they might have he might as well have been screaming the n word the entire time. Um. So all right. So this is this is the uh this is the the, the part that I want to go. Um. So we've bashed against CRT a lot here on this program, and we're going to continue to do so. What do you know? What do you get when you start a platform and implement critical race theory into every single corner of American society, in your corporations, in your schools? Your children and your grandchildren are going to have to take orders from people like her. And what's amazing is that she kind of has an attitude, too. You look carefully at some of those videos, and she's just kind of like, what? Why? Why are you? Enter, why? Why are you asking me such a question, Senator? She feels entitled to this position. Why wouldn't she? It's not like she got this position based on her qualifications. It's not like she was selected based on her qualifications. It's not like she was selected because of her amazing rulings. Of course not. It's just—it's just dripping with loathing, and just the racism oh. is just all over the place, and. There is just nothing. I mean, there's nothing like that on the left. Like, even at the height of when the left was losing their shit over Kavanaugh, because let's put it, he was a good, he was an accused rapist, a, a, you know, a, a credibly accused rapist. The left did not even get close to that kind of, uh, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be racism necessarily, but it wasn't anything like that. You know, I mean, even with um, Amy Comey Barrett, who was not qualified in the slightest, you didn't get this kind. Like there wasn't misogyny when they were people were ripping on her. Yeah, and they could have been. They could have easily dipped into misogyny. She's a woman. They didn't. That's not what happened when they went after her. You know, they just went after the fact that she was extremely unqualified because she was. I mean, the woman had never tried a case before. Now she's on the Supreme Court. This is just something, this is only from the right that you get this kind of shit. 
So, I, like the idea that she says that he says that he, um, he she's an ideological, unintelligent yet confident fanatic. Um, yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> unintelligent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, like Bob, you wrote a great piece this week on 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 this this oh, absolute this this shit yeah. show. Um, where it's just. You sort of, you just know, you just, everybody kind of knew what was going to happen, right? It's like the Republicans are going to, they're going to say everything but the N-word, yeah. right? They're going to try, and they're going to put on a huge performance. Ted Cruz, all of these sort of uh, race-baiting, um, uh, anti, uh, anti-woke, anti um, I don't know, activists, right? And and you know what they're doing, right? And and this was your point in in your piece, Bob, was that this is all it's all kind of like performance art, right? Isn't it? I mean, it's like it's not it's not real. They're just they're playing to the crowd, right? Yeah, they, they're pandering they, to yeah the biases of their audience for sure. Yeah, you know I, 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 I'm sorry. Do you know what I found out? I had no idea that there didn't used to be confirmation hearings until the first Jewish justice yeah. was nominated. I was like, you know what? Of fucking course, that's how it started. <laughs> right. Absolutely fucking of course. Yeah. It's yeah, like this yeah. fucking country see, sometimes. The, the funny thing is, is you can start to loop in all of these different things that we've been observing over the past several years. We're doing loop in the big lie, uh, voter suppression laws, uh, voter ID. Uh, all this shit gets uh, packed into the same narrative because the the reason they need to pass all these uh, voting restrictions is because they have no choice but to uh, pander to the racist, bigoted vote. Well, at the same time, that kind of pushes away some swing voters. But they've calculated that there's more energy with the uh, the crazy bigots and they can get that vote out more readily. It's a reliable voting block for the Republican Party. And so you combine that with a history of racist dog whistles. And this isn't just us as, you know, uh, alleged partisans sitting here getting crazy about the Republicans and throwing all kinds of uh, fringy charges around. This is a documented strategy by the Republican Party that goes back at least 50 years. I mean, Michael mm. Steele, I mean, before Trump, Michael Steele admitted as a former chairman of the RNC that, yes, the Republican Party used Southern strategy politics and okay. racial dog whistles in order to get elected. And there, I documented several of the most glaring examples in my piece uh, for the banter this week. And that's all to lead up to this performance that we're seeing right now of just uh, unfiltered racism. They just talk about walking right up to the line. They're going right up to screaming the N word. They're going right up to screaming the F word, uh, not fuck, but the other F word, the gay bashing uh, F word, the trans bashing F word in their in their vernacular. The F word covers the entire LGBTQ spectrum. Right. Right. So this was, for example, Marshall Blackburn's questioning the other day. First half was uh, N word bashing. Second half, F-word bash bashing. And there you have Katanji Brown-Jackson going, what the fuck? <laughs> why, yeah, they, just, why? they just can't stop themselves. Yeah, yeah. They, they have nothing to lose here because they know she's going to be confirmed. So they're just pulling out all the stops. They're doing a performance for the midterm energy or something like that. Make sure all those racist bigots who are... Uh, you know, voting for them this year, uh, remain energized for November. And so that brings us to <clears throat> uh, uh, Ben Shapiro, who... Oh, uh, your, your pick for the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, this the kind of... castrated smurf. Yeah, this is more about... Yeah, exactly. This is more about the aforementioned F word than it is the N word necessarily. But in fact, it, it kind of covers both because what he's using as his racist dog whistle is the word woke. We heard critical race theory through a lot of this past week uh, uttered by Republicans, and that was all about saying the N word. It's you know, coded language. It's like saying states' rights or forced busing, as Lee Atwater outlined. So in this case, Ben Shapiro was on a show and he said... Uh, who started attacking Disney. He started attacking specifically woke Disney. Oh. 
God. Now, remember the code language here. Whenever I say woke as I read this quote, what he's really saying is F word, N word. America's biggest corporations are being held hostage by the woke. And say woke people, or he just said held hostage by the woke because they are cowards. Uh, he said on Tuesday's episode of the Ben Shapiro show, they are absolute cowards. Disney is a company that is meant to derive pleasure for children. And of course, smarty pants, Ben Shapiro misused derive there, but okay. Yeah, but I say that's an awkward sentence. Like, what <laughs> yeah, is that is. even supposed to mean? <laughs> that is what it is for, he said. It is a company, their entire net worth basically was built on the idea that they were going to give you a safe place to let your children be entertained, he said. He continued by saying, by the way, if you want entertainment that's going to cater to your children, we're going to start making kids content over here at Daily Wire specifically so you don't have to be catered to by companies who hate your guts and cater to the people who despise your values. And what he's talking about, the people who despise your values, uh, gay people, trans people, black people, reproductive age women of any race, go down the line. And so that's well, what uh, this is the... Uh, the dynamic that is exclusive to the Republican right. And it's been this way for quite some time now. Uh, the woke basically saying the N words or the F words here. Remember, the, <laughs> again, we're not making this up. Long history of this shit. So there you go. Ugh, ben Shapiro. And there's no equivalent on the left. There's just, Ooh. there's nothing like that on the left. No way. No way. So except, I'm gonna, except maybe like, the shit libs, except maybe Jimmy Dore, <laughs> guys like yeah. Glenn Greenwald, maybe a little bit yeah. in there, but I don't know. Yeah, but they're at this point they're so far left. They're yeah, just they're right free leaders. agents. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that, this, this is where I'm going to. This is where I'm going now, right? So I know it's we, it's a both sides segment, and we get, we we highlight the extremism of the right, but the far again, I would argue that the far left is now so far left that they are basically right. Like, there's no way you could ever say that Glenn Greenwald is left wing, right? He he's not he's 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 not he just isn't. He's a contrarian. Um, he's an opportunist. That's where his uh, loyalties are. He's he's alt right. He's he's full on. I would say he's full on alt right or like. I don't know about contrarian because he's never contrarian when Republicans are in charge. Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. He never he's never contrarian to Republicans. He's only contrarian to the left and Democrats. So, Mm -hmm. yes and so look, look hey, okay this is why I, I wanted to highlight caitlin johnstone who is um our, our old friend <laughs> yeah. caitlin, caitlin johnstone, who, who we spent quite a long time uh she uh we're going to go into this in the members section she 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 attempted to sue the daily banter uh, a few years ago we're going to talk about that but i wanted to highlight this right because i just it's it's like an example of just how batshit crazy the fringes are uh, in this country. And I think that she is not, so here's what she says. She wrote a Twitter thread. She, she writes, so you think Ukraine should just give Putin to the Donbass and Crimea and neutrality to end a war Putin started, right? That's a quotation mark. And she says, no, I think Ukraine should sacrifice rivers of blood serving as a US proxy cannon fodder for years to drain Moscow while you sit at home, he sits at home eating Pop-Tarts and tweeting. She continues, I definitely think that every, she's being sarcastic, obviously. I definitely think that every single Ukrainian man, woman and child should be sacrificed to this US proxy war for due strategic dominance rather than yield some Russian speaking parts of eastern Ukraine who want to be part of Russia anyway. Only a Putin loving monster would disagree. Uh, then she uh, continued, the only humanitarian position is to continue the US plan to flood the nation with just enough weapons to bleed Russia without actually winning for years and years to subvert Moscow in the grand chessboard maneuverings of a few sociopaths in Washington. I don't care how many Ukrainian lives must be thrown into the gears of imperial war machine to accomplish this. Sacrifice every one of them down to the last screaming baby because I hashtag stand with Ukraine until the next stylish hashtag and profile pick filter comes along. Any Ukrainian mother who wouldn't sacrifice her son for the remote chance of future NATO membership, NATO membership and control over Crimea just loves Putin and thinks he's awesome. So this was Caitlin Johnstone, right? She's got this whole sarcastic. Uh, wow, she could just up. fuck all the way off. Right. So, so it's it's this this now this idea on the fringes, right? With the very very far left and far right, uh, who now believe that this is who are now saying that this is America's fault, right? The US yeah, it's American imperialism. That way they can go back to being anti-imperialist and ignoring the fact that it's 
Putin's Russian imperialist, imperialist war. Right, it's clearly an imperialist war, right? So, so this, um, she, she, I, Caitlin Johnstone caught my attention because Russell Brand has been sharing her stuff and reading her essays out on his, on his ridiculous podcast. Um, but it's, this is, this is just ridiculous, this line of thinking, right? This is what you're seeing on the fringes of American discourse at the moment. She's not even American. She's sitting in, she's in Australia. Right, this this woman is Australian, lives in Australia, um, and is convinced that she is somehow, um, you know, a victim of American imperialism, and that uh, America is going to destroy the world. And she, all she writes and tweets about is America. That's it, right? Um, I don't know what it's like. You don't even you don't even live here. Why mm-hmm. do you like talk about your own country for God's sake? Like, why are you so obsessed with the country that you don't live in? Has nothing to do, but it's part of this. She's found, I think, she's found sort of like this. Um, you know, she's found her tribe in the in the fringes of uh, American politics, and 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 spends all of her time writing about this. But this idea, right, that that first of all, um, that these areas wanted to be the, the eastern parts of Ukraine wanted to be part of Russia anyway. This is not true. Right, this is this is just nonsense. Right, it's far more complicated than that. Right, very, it, it it is an incredibly com- there are sh- for sure Russian speaking uh, Ukrainians um, in eastern parts of Ukraine who do want to be part of Russia, but they're mixed in with um, you know pro Ukrainian uh, 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 Ukrainians as well. Right, and then there are people who are in the middle. There's also a language, right? There is also like they don't. Some speak Russian, some speak Ukrainian, and some speak a mix of Ukrainian and Russian. But whatever, the the annexation of Crimea um, was opposed by 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 Ukrainians. Um, the like Ukraine doesn't want to be invaded by Russia, right? It's this idea that that um, uh, and also these other um, pr- countries in in Eastern Europe. Are being, you know, that NATO is 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 a is threatening Russia. NATO is a voluntary organization. You sign up to NATO. NATO doesn't sign you up, mm-hmm. right? You you sign up to NATO. And why are all these countries signing up to NATO? Because they want protection from Russia. They don't want to be part of Russia, right? It's this crazy idea that that um that NATO and the West is being is um is being aggressive towards Russia uh, and then that it's their fault that Russia is invading Ukraine this is just complete fantasy mm-hmm. right much of eastern europe wants protection if you had a choice between emigrating to america or russia where would you go like which system of government do you prefer i'm not saying america is like you know perfect at all uh, or capitalism is perfect or ca- liberal you know capitalistic democracy is the might the perfect system but it's pretty much the best we've got it depends right. if, unless you're unless you're edward snowden <laughs> then Ru- <laughs> russia's better very, very 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 quiet on twitter i, I notice um but yeah this this idea on the political fringes that that they, i don't understand where they get this stuff from where do they well, come up with this stuff well, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like their whole thing, it, you got to remember, right? And and I've been jumping up and down about this for weeks now. Their whole thing is like they center around Putin because he, uh, he ah, ouch, that was loud. Um, he's like the he's like the center of white nationalism across the globe, right? He funds and organizes a lot of it because he uses it to undermine democracies, right? And a lot of these people on the far left really love that. They think it's great because one, you know, they're very white and they love that idea, right? Because they find they find pluralism to be a big threat to them. Like, you know, Michael Tracy and Glenn Greenwald don't give a shit about Black Lives Matter and feminism. They find that to be extremely threatening. So they look at they they look at um, you know, the whole white supremacy on the right and be like, yeah. I can get with that, which is why they're always supporting Republicans in one way or another. Being anti-anti-Republican is the same thing as being pro. But and they see Putin as, you know, he's the kind of the center of gravity for that whole movement. He's been funding it for years. And as far as they're concerned, he can do no wrong because if Putin goes, 
that's like the underpinning for a lot of what's been going on across the globe. Does it? I mean, someone could rise up and take his place afterwards, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And yeah, all these people who were anti-imperialist, I, I've said this in the last couple of episodes, they were super anti-imperialist. I mean, Caitlin Johnson, oh, imperialism's bad, except when Russia does it. Because, I mean, let's be clear, Putin's been really loud about reestablishing the Russian Empire. He's, his latest screens, uh, screeds all over Russian propaganda has been about reestablishing the Russian Empire and how they have to, you know, fight back against the... Um, Western blah, 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 and, you know, Russia has to stand strong and, you know, ex- expand and blah, blah, blah. They don't give a shit about that kind of imperialism. It's only when it's the West and America that they have a problem with imperialism. And if that's the only time you have a problem with imperialism, you're not anti-imperialist. You have a very yeah, specific I- type of anti-imperialism. And it's interesting. It's interesting. That, so, yeah, you, you won't ever see Caitlin Johnstone ever, ever criticizing the Trump right ever she exactly. says nothing about them whatsoever which makes you know i don't understand how you can be then you, you, again you get so far right that you you so far left that you become right it's like it's really sad to to, to see this but so look i wanted to talk about caitlin johnstone um uh it, it for this week's members only uh podcast because it was a, it, a hilarious story back in 2017 when she tried to sue us uh, I'm going to talk a bit about that and just how deranged the far left, um, the, the, the far left is. So anyway, if you've a member, you can, you can, uh, go over to our, um, on, on the newsletter, you'll see one of the posts has the podcast embedded in it. So you can go over there. We'll provide a link, um, on this article. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast there, you can also follow us on iTunes and on Spotify. Now, um, just type in the Banter Roundtable podcast and we will show up. If you want to become a member, you can get six months free uh, on a band's membership. So please do that. And you can listen to our members only podcast. It's good fun. Uh, we chat for about 15, 20 minutes, uh, usually um, about uh, a little bit more, uh, sometimes personal things, um, you know, more controversial topics. We, we talk about that in the members only section. So please join us there and become a band's member. Uh, guys, thank you so much. You got thank it. Thank you, man.